Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Hello, 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 everybody. Uh, I do apologize for the technical errors. Uh, just getting kind of used to being back in the studio. I hope everybody's enjoying their Martin Luther King's Day on this Monday, January 17th of 2020, and I hope everybody has enjoyed their return to classes. Uh, I don't get to start mine until Tuesday, or tomorrow, rather, so I'm looking forward to that. Welcome to the first episode ever of World Sports Roundabout, and where we look at sports all around the world, and in a roundabout way, we figure out what the sports are all about. I'm actually going to write that down, actually. That's a good line. I'm going to start using that from now on. What the sports are all about. Okay, perfect. Okay, so what exactly is, you know, what is this show about, you know? First episode, you kind of have to, you know, pitch this show to other people sitting across wherever they are in the world and briefly... I'll try my best to explain exactly what the show is about. This show is supposed to look at sports around the world and find out what the sports are, in fact, all about. But it's more than that, you know. We could sit down and we could look at, like, you know, new sports located, um, you know, in different countries and stuff like that. But I feel like that here as an American and just, like, Americans in general, like, let's think about leagues outside of, like, the big four, really the power five, as I'll call it. Um, let's think about that. What, what sports leagues can you name? You know, you have the Premier League. Um, maybe you know what the Bundesliga is. Maybe you've seen a Canadian football game um, on ESPN once in a while. But that's really about it. I mean, we aren't really exposed to a lot. I mean, I know that you could probably watch, like, a, a Liga MX game if you have, like, this certain package and stuff like that. That's really it. We're not really exposed to a lot of leagues outside of our own. So this is what really what the show is about. We look into these leagues. We explore their season structure, how their playoffs work, how they're, you know, how they operate and stuff like that. And we'll try to learn and grow as people, as sports fans. And so let's appreciate sports more. And that's really, I think, the main core of what I want this show to be about. So, to start off this wonderful show, we're going to start with the most international country out there, the United States of America. And you might be wondering, well, you just you know, wasted so much time talking about, like, hey, no, we need to learn about the world of sports. Why are we starting in America? Well, for one... I'm going to, you know, this is more than a sports show just for sports fans. I want to reach out across the aisle to, you know, people who don't really know sports and they're listening to it the first time. Or, like, international students who may not be 100% familiar with, like, how American sports kind of operate. Or even those Americans who are abroad and, you know, want to listen to some sort of American sports show. Uh, shout out to you guys who are listening Abroad, we really appreciate you here at Radio DePaul Sports. So that's what we're going to topic. We're going to focus primarily our episode around the United States, its sports leagues, and how it operates. American sports 
the market for it is really big. Uh, according to world market data, last year, or maybe actually two years ago, I believe it was actually 2020, yes, 2020, sports market, despite the pandemic, was still a $75 billion enterprise. That's actually quite amazing considering that. We spend so much money on sports despite the fact that we couldn't even go out to see sports for March to about like I know we there were some open capacity things like maybe bits and pieces in October and stuff so you're talking about for about eight months of the year you know we weren't able to see sports and yet the sports industry was still making 75 billion dollars that's honestly impressive and sports in america are dominated by four the, the big four i'm going to say the power five because I'll, I'll explain it a little later but the big four generally referred to by most sports pundits sports media and stuff like that are the national football league or the nfl the national basketball league national basketball association gosh Ooh, that's mistake number one. National Basketball Association, the NBA, Major League Baseball, MLB, and the National Hockey League, the NL, the NHL. Jeez, so many of my words today. So, when I said the Power Five, I'm also mentioning Major League Soccer because it really depends on how you rank the four, and that really depends on if MLB counts as one of the four. Because NFL and MLB, they're one and two. There's no doubt about that. It really depends on how you market three and four, and really five. Because MLS has for years been trying to challenge baseball for its popularity. And for that matter, if you're going to consider soccer trying to get to baseball, then baseball would have to be the four, and then soccer would have to be the five. And if so, that's why I saw the power five. So let's just kind of go in order with the NFL. The NFL is a 17 game long season. It was just the first time that I can ever say that. In the past few years, it's been only 16 years and stuff like that. Um, it runs from August to February. Um, there's two conferences split into four divisions, north, south, east, west, obviously the four cardinal directions and stuff like that. Split into two conferences, again, like I said, uh, the NFC and the AFC. Don't ask me the difference. I believe the AFC is the older conference, though, um, you know, with a lot of the original NFL teams. And it, it used to be the... No, I'm thinking of the AFL. I mean, think I believe the AFC does have a lot of the original AFL teams, but I don't know if that actually means anything with the NA with the NFL. But let me explain how the season structure works. So let's say you're a team. I don't know. I I don't want to really pick on any team, but let's say I'm the Dallas Cowboys. They just lost a really bad game due to uh some really bad coaching decisions. So let's just say I'm the Dallas Cowboys. All right, we're going to start a season, all right? So in August, I count August kind of as the start of the season because that's where pregame, that's where a lot of uh, preseason, not pregames, 
preseason games. You have a lot of training camps and stuff like that. Everything's going to start in August. You play four, three or four preseason. I think they reduced it to three this year. I think previous season it used to be four, but I believe this year is three. You play three preseason games against random opponents. Doesn't matter unless you're playing in a Hall of Fame game, in which case I believe you also you get that game in addition to those three. I'm not 100% certain because I don't think they had the Hall of Fame game this year. But so the season officially starts in September. You play eight games against other teams. No, sorry. You play six games against other teams in your conferences. There are only four teams in each division. So you're playing, you know, your rival twice. So you play six games against your division. Then you play four games against another division. And you play every team in that conference. Then I believe you play four games against a rotational out-of-conference team. And you play all those teams. I believe that's 6-4-4. Four, four. So we're at 14. No. Yeah, we're at 14. And then I believe recently you play three teams kind of randomly. I don't know if... I don't remember the exact schedule. I used to remember for 16. I do used to remember for 16. Because it used to be you played you played the 6, you played 4, you played like two similar divisional or conference opponents, and then you played one out-of-conference things. But with the 17-game schedule, it's been kind of out of whack and stuff like that. But let's say that you've done all that, you know, games are played. Uh, 15 minute quarters, um, four quarters each. If not, you go to overtime. If you score a touchdown in overtime, you win. If you score a field goal, the other team gets the ball. If they match it, then, you know, you play more football. And, and then if you still aren't scoring, it's a tie. Let's just say that you go out with the record that the Cowboys did this season. Well, then you go to the playoffs. Now, the playoffs, thanks to the 70 game schedule and thanks to just basic reformatting in general, uh, has changed as well. So you have your first round opponent, they get a bye. Not the first round opponent. Your first seed. My goodness. <laughs> I promise you guys this isn't gonna be as wacky as, you know. This is the first episode. We're all getting these jitters out. So you get the first round, first team, the first overall team. The team with the best record. Let's just say it like that. Team with the best record gets a bye. Period. They move on to the next round. The next six teams afterwards, they all have to play. Now, in terms of who hosts, it's all based on record. So, divisional winners automatically get home field advantage. They automatically do. It doesn't matter really if they're, you know, 6 10 and 1. You know, if they happen to win division, they host a playoff game. Now, they will play the higher of the seeds, I believe, of the teams that didn't win their division, but they do, in fact, play, do, in fact, host a game. So the division winners automatically get two, three, and four. Then five, six, seven is just strictly based on record. So those teams play against each other in the wild card round, which we actually, today, I believe, is the last day of the wild card round. 
Um, then next week is the divisional round. Then the week after that is the conference, conference championship. You know, each team, you know, we go from seven to four to two to one. And after two weeks after the conference championship game, we play one game in February to determine the world champions of football. And that, my friends, is basically the structure of the National Football League. There's probably a much clearer, simpler way of explaining how the season structure goes. But was 100 million people watching, you know, a sport like football, I'm sure any explanation would be fine. I'm, like, looking over some things here on my notes. It's kind of weird how, like, I wrote all this down and, like, it feels like I'm looking at this for the very first time. But when I said it was, like, a $75 billion injury with, like, sports and stuff like that, $15 billion of that comes strictly from the NFL. I mean, the NFL is just that popular to where... It's pretty much the one in the big four. And that's just how dominant football is. And I don't even think it was that long ago that they actually took number one. Because for the longest time, it, I think it used to be baseball. And I think because it was a strike, that's when football just more or less just like zoomed off into a stratosphere beyond everybody's belief. Because they used to sign like endorsement deals and stuff like that. And I think basketball slowly came... More in recent, more in, I don't want to say recent, about the same time, that's when basketball took number two from baseball. And then I believe baseball is technically considered the three of the four. But it's still impressive how, like, football has grown from, like, this weird mismatch of organizational sport, this weird mismatch of, like, you know, a league that financially was just trying to kind of figure things out here or there. Still had a league, but wasn't exactly the league you would think of today to what it is now. It's rather impressive, I think. It's just rather impressive. We're going to take a short 30-second break, and we're going to continue on with the show. Uh, be right back, guys. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. We're back. Very short break. Just needed a quick second to quickly glance over my notes. And we are back with the show. So let's talk about number two, the National Basketball Association. Not the Basketball League, like I said. It's the National Basketball Association. The National Basketball Association is number two. It happens to gross about $10 million. No, $8.8 million. I'm reading the estimated totals. I'm supposed to read last year's totals. $8.8 billion in revenues. It's its revenues. Yes. Okay. Great. 
So, basketball is a very interesting league-wide concept. For one, it runs 82 games, which I feel like is quite a lot, but it isn't like, just given how long the season feels like, you know, it runs from October to April. And it has playoff games going into it into June. So I feel like that's a long time because that's, what, you have two, three months off, 82 games. Because it feels like there's so many games going on as well. There are 30 teams in the National Basketball Association. But it feels like games are on so often to the point where you're, (laughs) it feels like there's more than enough. 82 games for a season. But that is pretty much the core of that. You essentially have. See, I want to say that there are two conferences. There are two conferences. There are Eastern and Western. But I want to say that there's two divisions in each. I'm not saying that as, uh, as I'm unsure. I know that there were two conferences. Or two divisions. I keep <laughs> I hate. I keep confusing conferences and divisions. They're divisions. They're divisions within the conferences. But I want to say that there's still two divisions each in each conferences, and that the it's kind of like the same thing with football, in where division winners automatically clinch home field. But the difference between the football and basketball is that teams who don't win the conference or the division can still technically qualify for the first. I, I don't I, I'm like trying to picture in my head because I know there are examples in where a team has not won their Okay, I know exactly what's up. I know exactly what's up. Okay, so. Divisionally, you win the conference, you get a spot. Guaranteed. Now, it's based on record on how you're seeded, though. That's the big difference. So, let's say that we had two teams in the same division. Let's say one team had 60 wins and the other team had 56. All right. Let's say that the team A, who I just said had like I don't remember how many wins, but let's say team's first team, uh, won their won their division. They happen to have the best record. Boom, they're number one. Let's say compared to the other division winners, team B happened to have the second best record in their conference. They get the number two slot. I believe that was what I was confused about because I think for the longest time it used to not be that way. It used to be that so long as you won your division, you got a spot. You got one of the top spots despite records. So it used to be that like you had a set, let's say a 60 win team play against a 56 win team because that's how the records work. Because you're basing it off of like, okay, division winners get division winners get the top seeds, 
And then you had the actual better teams in the league who had to compete for five, six, seven, and eight. But nowadays, I believe that it's strictly based on record. Divisions don't really matter as much. I don't really know why you would keep divisions if that's where you would go. I believe they, division winners get something. I think they get home field, regardless of seeding. I think. I don't quite remember. I'm, I'm like looking it up as I go along. But I believe that division still gets home field. And that record-wise, or rather, I think maybe they're guaranteed, like, if you win the division, you're guaranteed at the minimum of four. Because you can only host if you're the higher seed. But I believe, minus that, it's record-based. Because what, because logically, like, if you win a division, you obviously have to have a higher record than, you know, other teams. Well, I'm going to sit here and, like, like question the logistics of what the league is. But we need to move on because we're pretty much halfway through and we've only covered, like, half of what I want to actually talk about. So the playoff structure is essentially eight teams uh, in their own conference. They play it out, except... For the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth seed. Now I know it said eight teams make the playoffs, but ten seeds are technically eligible to make the playoffs. So there's a play-in tournament. Now, what happens is the seventh and eighth seeds play in a game, and then you have the ninth and the tenth seeds. They also play a game. If whoever wins the seventh and eighth game automatically goes to the playoffs as the seventh. The loser plays in another game. Meanwhile, the loser between 9th and 10th obviously leaves. They're no longer in contention for a playoff spot. And then you have the 8th, whoever, the winner, the loser of the first game and the winner of the second game play in one more game. And the winner of that gets to be the 8th seed. And then the playoffs start. And that's in April. And then it's... Three rounds of seven games each, I'm almost certain. I don't remember the first one because I think they recently changed that to seven. But I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if this was still like five games each. But it's the first round of seven. That's the conference. Is that the conference semis? I'm almost certain. Oh, no. Am I crossing up? No, I'm right. I'm right. It's the conference semis first. Then this. It's the first round first, then it's the conference semifinals, then it's the conference finals, then it's the finals. My goodness. I mean, I, I think it's just a lot of, like, nervous jitters here. Just being the first one up to bat here. Because I am mixing up lots of very important basketball details. I think it's just the pressure here, guys. You know? You know, I know basketball. Or maybe it's one of those things we take for granted, you know? I've watched basketball for years. You just, you just kind of instinctively know what's going on. And just having to explain it to somebody who may, you know, may have never watched a sport in their life. Just like, oh, uh, how do I explain this? How do I explain this? Uh, I mix up details. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, boy. Jeez. Well, I'm going to move on from that before I continue to cross myself up. I can talk about something that I absolutely know 
And that's baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan. I've lived baseball. I've breathed baseball. I think about baseball for a good majority of like my teenage years. And then I got injured and I have to just sit and watch. But I can talk about it and that's what I'll do. So baseball happens to actually be the second highest revenue sport, despite the fact that it's technically listed as three, four, or even five, depending on who you ask. That's about a $10 billion, $10 billion industry as far as like the numbers that I've seen. And I believe those numbers are pre-pandemic because baseball has lost a lot of money since then. But it's still a very financially viable sport. And for the most part, of course, with all the issues that baseball has, it better be a financially viable sport just simply because nobody likes each other within the baseball industry. Major League Baseball and the play, Major League Baseball versus the players, owners versus players, the PA versus owners. You know, baseball is such a really confusing agonizing sport to watch when games aren't on. Just listening to the business aspect of it is just rough. But we're not here to talk about business. I told you I told you how much money these leagues make, and that's about all that I know about the business aspect of it. So season structure. Season structure can be kind of weird because baseball has a tendency to not even follow its own structure. The one constant as of recently is that, I say structure of recently, but it's not really true, but they play 162 games, which is the longest of all the sports, which 162 sounds like a lot. Uh, They used to play 144 games, so that's doing quick math off my head. That's like 18 games more that they play which I don't really understand, but whatever. They play 162 games. I want to say now with like 15 teams in each the league. They call them leagues, not conferences. They call them leagues. You have two leagues, American National, and you play 81 at home, you play 81 away. Once a week, every week that baseball is being played at least one series is interleague so that's a national league team versus an american league team they're the only league or they were the only league in where the leagues played the game a little bit differently the national league league used to allow pitchers to hit the american league used to have designated hitters who hit in place of the pitcher now they're both having the designated hitter I don't personally like this. I think if you're meant to play baseball, you need to learn how to hit. If you can't hit and pitch, well, then you better be able to pitch really well because I'm expecting you to go out there and swing the bat. That's my personal opinion. But this isn't a show about my personal opinion. This is a show about season structure. So, playoff structure is a bit weird, and it's kind of hard for me to talk about playoff structure because the fact that they are actually fighting over playoff structure with the normal CBA. 
So I'm going to explain the playoff structure three times, okay? Or twice, actually. Okay. So playoff structure one is generally you have three divisions in each league. It's generally east, west, and central. The division winner of those leagues make the playoffs. Then you have two wildcard teams that are strictly based on record. Those two teams play one game to determine who actually gets the fourth spot. Who plays the best team with the best record? They, that's what they're fighting for. They play one game to determine that. Then I believe it's a five-game series after that to determine who goes on to the championship series, who then, after seven games, whoever wins best of four, of course, who goes on to go to the World Series. And that's in both leagues. And then the winner is the world champion of the world, da 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 blah, blah, blah. Then you have what they tried in 2020 with the expanded playoffs. And let me try my best to explain the expanded playoffs. Because I had such time trying to understand <laughs> what these playoffs were going to how these playoffs kind of worked. I'm going to try my best to explain it. So, instead, there were five teams who made the playoffs in each conference. So, ten teams. So, they're moving it to 14, kind of like the NFL. The best team gets a bye. They get a bye into the next round, which I believe is the Divisional Series. So then you have six teams playing for the next divisional round. It's kind of like football. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's just it's strictly like football. The teams with the best record host the first two games of the series. I believe that's what it is. It's the home team hosts the first two, then the away team hosts the next two, then in a five-game series of the better team hosts the first game, and then you have, in seven games, then it alternates between the two. So, like, home, away, home, whoever has the better record. But essentially, like, football. Now, I personally don't like this particular style for baseball in general because it awards teams that probably wouldn't have made the world, made the playoffs beforehand. You're awarding, ooh, you're awarding four extra spots to teams who, well, I guess you could argue that, like, maybe they had a chance, but it minimizes other events in there, like the trade deadline, because all teams who, in the expanded playoffs, probably would be trading and stuff like that. Or in the shortened, or normal playoffs, you know, they probably would be trading those teams, those four extra teams that probably would be trading to get more players, to better their team, now they're not really doing as much strictly because, well, we have a chance to make the playoffs. Why mess with something good? You know? But they're fighting for that. They're fighting that. 
they're fine for that. It was much simpler way back before they added the extra wild card round. Um, it used to be, you know, three division winners and the next best team, whoever had the, the, the best record after that. Four teams, best team plays a wild card team, and then um, the other league um, plays each other. Unless, unless the team was the best record and the team was the wild card, um, they don't play directly against each other. They they swap records, so then all that juicy stuff is is great. We have one more league. I'm gonna take a break. Let's take a minute break here. Uh, when we return, we'll go about talk about the National um, Hockey League. We'll talk about other leagues as well, just briefly. Hopefully much more briefly than I have made it thus far. We're learning here, guys. And, uh, yeah, we will be right back. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Welcome back to World Sports Roundabout, the show that looks at world sports and in a roundabout way tries its best to tell you what the sports are all about. We've moved on to our last couple of leagues. I know we've got about 20 minutes, and I will try my best to be as concise and structured as possible in describing these particular leagues. We have the National Hockey League, which I feel like of the leagues technically makes the most sense. Makes the most sense in terms of playoff structure, in terms of season structure, in terms of everything. Okay, so... Hockey runs, as far as I'm concerned, it runs, well, I say that. I say as far as I'm concerned, and that does, that's not the right word. Like, just making sure before. No, that's not right. Okay. So it's an 82-season game, so I was right. I was absolutely right. It's an 82-game season, much like the National Basketball League. It runs from October to April, with games sometimes even going into June. 
it is two conferences, Eastern, Western, split into two divisions each. I'm like having to think about it and make sure. Yes, two divisions each. There are 32 teams in the league now, and they're all even. I do remember this. Okay, great. Great. So the greatest thing I think about the National Hockey League is that they guarantee three teams in each conference make the playoffs. Then the next two teams, based on record, makes the team. After that, conference doesn't even matter. It's strictly based on records. And that's what I absolutely love about this particular league, is that a lot of leagues, when they try to do this playoffs, they try to give divisional winners, you know, like, all this ceremonious, like, the ceremonious, like, oh, you won your division? Here's a playoff game. Despite the fact that, like, another team in another conference didn't win their conference, but clearly did better than, like, division winner B here. And it just kind of sucks. Was the NHL playoffs? Who cares? Look, we're going to strictly base it off of points here. So, like, Team team one, you know, you get the best record. Team two, you're in the same division, you get spot two. Team three, you also happen to be in the same you know, division, you get slot three. Now we'll go to division winner A, or another division winner, and then we'll rank them down in order of points. Now, points are a different topic that I'll try my best to kind of go over. Um, it's three wins for a win. It's two win if you win in it's two if you win in overtime. It's one if you go to overtime and lose, and it's zero for a loss. So points can be weird because and then records also kind of is weird because like wins count regardless if you're in if you're in overtime or not. You still get a win on your column. But losses and overtime losses are two completely different things, and that determines record, which I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never really gotten why, like, overtime losses are a big thing in terms of determining record. I feel like that you should label wins and losses separate, and then overtime wins and overtime losses separate. But no, it's win, loss, overtime loss. That's how you determine who, in terms of record, a W, or I guess ranking and stuff like that. But in any case, the beautiful thing about like the NHL playoffs, they're all seven games. First round, second round, third round, championship game. They're all seven games. It's nice, neat, and quick. One of the things about the NHL, though, is that despite it being really a Canadian sport, and we'll talk about this more in the next episode, but despite it, it's mostly an American league, per se, um, despite the fact that a lot of the officers are in Canada. A lot of teams, a lot of the more successful teams are just in um, or in the United States. A lot more of like financially viable teams are within the United States and stuff like that. So it's a bit weird, but, you know, good on them. They make about $2.5 um, which is 
the lowest in terms of a lot of the sports here. Um, the biggest thing is just like the NHL like doesn't market themselves all that well. Like compared to like the NBA, who have tons of stars, they could pick they could pick and choose who they want to represent them. You know. So. Oh my. <laughs> Excuse me, but, you know, the NBA has lots of stars that they can pick and choose from. So do the NH- So does the NFL, although the NFL at times doesn't really know. Although I guess it really depends on the corporation because, like, a decent amount of NFL players that are talented aren't exactly the greatest spokespeople. But the NFL, you know, have a ton of stars that they can market. Baseball can easily market itself as well. Hockey is the biggest issue with hockey is that, like, there are very few stars, I feel like, true stars in the league. There are a lot of good, good players, but not a bunch of stars. And even amongst the stars, they can't really market them because they're only, like, two, like five maybe in the whole league. At least that's my view of the whole thing. But even, like, we'll see young players, they just, I guess money probably is the biggest thing, too. Like, if you aren't making a ton of money, you probably aren't going to spend a lot of marketing. But then you still need to get your better players marketed, and you're not doing that because you have no money. But you need to market them to make more money. You see what I mean? It's just this weird, 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 weird problem that the NHL has in terms of like making more money but it's slowly slowly getting an audience is trying to reach out to a more I want to say diverse group of individuals and stuff like that so the biggest thing that the league just has to do is just continue doing what it's doing I mean they got Kodak Black uh, to come out to a Florida Panthers game which is the sentence that Three years ago would be <laughs> for me, but uh, you know that's great. And finally, we have the MLS league or Major League Soccer, which is a very interesting league. I'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent. I know we don't actually have that much time. This is an hour show, and we're already like 45 minutes in this show, and I'm about to go on a tangent. But I'm going to go on this tangent because. I firmly believe that if the MLS somehow found a way to stay financially viable and and keep what they had at the beginning in terms of rules and regulations, I think that the MLS could be a much palatable, pal- palatable, palatable league than it is right now. I truly do believe that. Because they had the, the clock that runs down. Like, who wants to look at a clock that goes up and then, like, some person in an office so far off away has to calculate this additional time for, like, penalties and time that they have to stop? You know, that's really hard. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really hard. It's hard for fans to understand, well, what is stoppage time, you know? What is stoppage? How do you calculate stoppage time? A running down clock, you could add time based on, like, how things are, like, stopped and all that other stuff, it's a very, I think there was potential for something to kind of work there, you know? 
you could like have the clock running down and off like in a corner, like in a basketball stadium. I'm thinking like the timeout corner. You know, you could have like uh, stoppage time. You could have like a one. Someone could put like a two, and like as you know, stoppage time is being added. You could see that stoppage time being added. So then the clock sounds, and then another timer quickly starts, and you have two minutes, and you just run it down, kind of like the NHL. I think the NHL does it too. Is like they have the score clock. And then, like, on a nice little corner off to the side, they'll have, like, the penalty time and it coming down, too. So, like, you could have time go off the clock, but you could have, like, six minutes stoppage time, and then that that starts coming to main clock, and then the game ends after that. It's a wonderful thing. They also had this thing, and I believe it was called, like, the showdown, and you had, like, (laughs) you had a player who I believe was, like, 35 meters. Don't ask me how to convert that to feet. We had a player 35 meters away. You had a goalkeeper who was on his line, and they run up together. So, like, you had the player with the ball, and he's running down the field, and you had the goalkeeper who's, you know, who runs up, stops maybe about as a box, and, like, much like a goalie in the NHL, kind of, like, positions himself, you know, trying to read the read the score, the movements, to stop, stop the kick. I feel like it's better a better penalty kick system in general, but... Whatever. Um, but I mean, again, like it's such an awesome system. I think that's I think that's just the thing. It's just like it gives it you know it gives a little bit more like tension in very close games or a penalty call a penalty kick is like one of the most like game changing things that you could do. So then you're telling me that, you know, you're going to leave it up to some goalkeeper being able to stop this kick from, I think, eight meters out versus give him a chance to, like, read read the kicker. Let's see what his motions are like. Let's see if he'll try to pitch it over the kicker or drive it home. Let's see what the goalkeeper's going to do, you know? Give the... uh, Give the goalkeeper a chance. That's all I'm saying. In any case, the MLS season's a bit weird. It might be a little bit different from a lot of, like, soccer or football leagues around the world. For one thing, it's 32 games. I believe a lot of leagues are a lot longer in terms of playing content. It runs a lot longer, generally from late February or early March to October. It's a very unbalanced schedule, and it's a very unbalanced schedule because I believe they play. I don't think they have enough teams to really have a balanced schedule. I believe that they're expanding, and I believe it would be a much more balanced schedule, but I believe you play a lot of your games against whatever conference that you're in. Don't ask me because the MLS changes their rules so often to the point where it's not even worth, like, keeping track of. And they play one, each team plays once a week. That's why it runs as long as it does. It also has a lot of other problems. Like, it doesn't fall in line with, like, other, uh, other, 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 other soccer leagues. Because there's a transfer window in the summer. But the MLS plays their games in the summer. So, technically, like, I think they have rules in where, like, yeah, 
MLS teams could participate in it, and you could still do it, but, like, it's just, yeah. It's, it's not the greatest system in the world, stuff like that. In any case, the playoff system is... <laughs> it's so... It's so weird. Okay, so... I actually... The reason why I say it's so weird is because I actually was doing a piece on, like, how the playoff structure goes. And I believe every year that I looked at, the playoff structure was just so different. Like, so many teams qualified, and then so many other teams didn't qualify. And then one year, like, oh, um, if there's a spot in one conference, because there's not enough teams in this conference, uh, an Easter team will play in the West, or reverse, this is the next year. And it's just... It just doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense. And I'm going to try my best because I watched the MLS playoffs this year. I'm going to try my best to explain it. Currently, it is very simply because the number of teams happens to be even this year. And I'm going to make sure that this is right. Because, again, they recently changed the playoff format couple years ago. Okay. 14 teams make it. So it's much like the NFL. Top seven in each conference. There's many rules that go into how they qualify. I'm not going to go in there. Teams must play 30 games, which I get was COVID. That, that kind of happens, but whatever. Okay. Round one has every, you know, again, it's much like the NFL. Only recently have they removed the aggregate system. And as you guys, as some of you guys might know, the aggregate system is essentially you play two matches, a home and away for each. And whoever scores the most goals host wins. If it's tied, the team who scored the most away goals wins. So, but they got rid of it this time. And you play all that. And then you go to the finals. They simplified it this year, apparently. I'm like reading, I'm like reading it as I'm going along. Not necessarily because I didn't know that this is how they did it, but I remember it so differently than I did, but stuff like that. And that's essentially it. Now, with more teams coming along, because I believe they're now at 30, I believe. I'm like having to make sure myself. But for the longest time, MLS wasn't even like... 28, 28. They're going to 30 starting next year, but they're at 28 right now. So we'll see if they bump it to eight teams in each conference next year and just go like, all right, we're just going to do traditional, like, look, single elimination games. But they're one of the few leagues that actually still does single elimination in terms of soccer, minus the championship game, which always, you know, always a single elimination. But I believe in terms of tournaments and stuff like that, they're the only team that doesn't do the aggregate system. They still do, like, the whole bracket system of playoffs. But, yeah. So that's 
that's primarily all of the major four, even the power five. We have five minutes. I'm going to briefly try my best to briefly go over the other leagues. The biggest, the, the sixth biggest league is the WNBA, which gets a lot of money from the NBA as it is the women's league and stuff like that. It's slowly been growing. It's still not financially great. I, I don't have the financial figures with me here today. But it has grown. The game has grown. It's been around for over 25 years now. I believe next year will be actually the 26th league. So it proves that the league is here to stay, despite the fact that like there are several scares here or there. Um, lacrosse has grown. It's like the biggest growing league here. Um, the big league is the Premier Lacrosse League. It's 10 teams. I'm, I'm laughing because I I did a lot of research last night and I was so confused because I thought the whole league was called Major League Lacrosse, but it turns out that that league had actually like suspended operations like several years ago and then they actually merged with um, merged with the Premier League and only one of the teams was still like financially able to actually like move over to Premier League lacrosse. So that's great. Um, another interesting thing that I learned during my research and like that is that a lot of teams don't allow you to use your highlights as promotional material for yourself. Um, think of it like NBA players. Um, an example, I think, like, think of LeBron James. And look at his Instagram. I think it was like a quote by their um, by their commissioner. LeBron James can't actually make any sort of cash off his own basketball career. He can do anything else. He could show him working out with basketball, but he can't show any uh, highlights he does in the game because those highlights are strictly NBA content. Versus the Premier League, they they open source it for some reason, which is rather impressive and stuff like that. But so then those players can also, like, make money off their highlights, you know, and do endorsement deals with their highlights and stuff like that. Use their um, equipment and stuff like that uh, for those commercials. And I think that's pretty awesome. It's a pretty uh, free reign kind of, uh, free reign kind of sponsorships over that. Another league, uh, Major League Rugby, um, which I think think it's only really gotten popular thanks to Rio, um, the Rio Olympics, because I believe the U.S. team actually made, it went pretty deep into the rugby league championship and stuff like that, and I'd love to talk about it more in later episodes, but, like, you'll find that, like, oh, um, the rugby championship is, um, or not the rugby championship, but more, rugby is essentially, like, the precursor of, like, football in a lot of ways. Um, and I feel like if you're a fan of football and you want something to get your football fix in here, um, then that is the league that you need to watch. I don't really have much in terms of playoffs or play. I do, I do have the information, but we just don't have that kind of time. We're already pressing. It is currently two o'clock now. And we're already still continuing to talk now. So, again, thank you guys so much for...
for like listening in. We're gonna wrap this show up. Um, next show will be much cleaner. We'll have much more directness. This was just more of a test episode, a more of a so let's just say a sample, a demo, you know, like arena football. We don't have time to go over this, but there was a demo before arena football was even a thing. But thank you guys so much for like listening in. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and stuff like that. I'll see you guys next Monday for another episode where we'll be talking about Canada. So stay tuned. We I appreciate you guys hanging in there and I will see you guys next time. Bye guys. I'm a champion, real life checks mechanism. I should kill him for rat. He's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're gonna go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behaviour through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And $1,500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound, rethink your behaviour. Cook it. Store it. Share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council.